Hey, good morning, everybody. How are we doing this morning? It's great to see you. Um, hey, I see uh, Doug in the back. Everybody say hi to Doug. Uh, Doug had a Doug had a, a big fall, and uh, I, that sounded like Humpty Dumpty. It wasn't, but Doug, Doug had a had a fall, a back injury. I had spent a lot of time in the hospital, and he's back this morning. So praise God for that. Good to see you, Doug. We're really glad to have you back. If uh, if I haven't met you, I'm, I'm Tyler. I'm the campus pastor here at CTK Blaine. We're really glad you're here. And if you're new to our community and you want to get more connected, we have connection cards that are just these yellow uh, yellow forms you can fill out and leave in the uh, leave in the boxes both here in the worship center and then out in the lobby. Also, we don't take offering during service, but if you'd like to give, you can also give at those boxes or online is, uh, is really pretty simple, give.ctk.church. Um, so hey, we are excited. It's Baptism Sunday. We're doing communion today. There's just a lot of, uh, it's going to be a, a really amazing time together. Um, and we're going to have, we have three kids getting baptized today. And so what we're going to do is we're going to allow the kids to, um, at, at the end of service, just come up, and they're just going to sit here and cheer on their friends, and I'm really excited for that. If you're interested in getting baptized, um, I want to, to let you know that we're, we're doing another baptism in August out at Semiamu. We always do it, or if you, or if you, you can't wait that long, let me know. Let, let's, let's get it going. Um, but we, yeah, we're really excited for that today. Um, just a couple things coming up at the end of the month. We, we're trying to find a, a new time for um, the uh, ladies' night. We've been having monthly ladies' nights. We were going to plan to have one close to Memorial Day weekend. It's just no one's available. So we're going to find a new date for that. And then we're having our next men's breakfast on June 3rd here at 9 a.m. So guys, if, you're, if you haven't made it to one, it's just a really great time of connection, a great time of, of growth together, and a great time of eating, which is, which is great. So, you know, you can't go wrong. All right, well, I'm going to jump into our series in James here this morning, but let me, uh, let me pray before we do that. God, we are thankful for new life this morning. Uh, we're thankful for uh, just your presence at work in our community, at work in our lives, and the, the lives of our kids. Just reminded this week as we prepare to see kids be baptized, just you did not put any barriers in front of kids reaching out to you. You said, let the children come to me, God. You have such a heart for, uh, for kids. And so I thank you for that. We praise you for that. As we get into your word this morning in James, would you speak through the Spirit? Would you speak right where we're at? And would you allow us to grow in your grace and your mercy, Jesus' name? Amen. So last week, we started a series in the book of James, and it's focused on living intentionally. The book of James uh, focuses on calling us to action. It's not a book that's heavy on theology. It's a book that's heavy on action, heavy on change, heavy on application, and changing things in your life to look more like Christ. And it's Christ, and it's a book, it's a wisdom book. It's the only book focused on wisdom in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, you have Proverbs and Ecclesiastes. In the New Testament, you have James. And James writes this wisdom book to a, a young church, a young church that's not just sitting around, like they're motivated, they're moving, they're, they want, they're hungry, they want uh, to see God move, 
but James is, is preaching wisdom, wisdom, wisdom to this, this church that's young and excited uh, and, uh, and wants to get moving. So what we're going to do today, we're going to pick up in James 1.19. We're going to focus on eight verses in the book of James. And before we, uh, before we start talking about it, I thought this morning we'd, we'd read the, the verse and chapter uh, together. So this is starting in James 1.19. I'll, I'll just read this. It says, My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Th those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves, and their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless as this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is the word of the Lord. So we're going to talk about this thick passage today. This is an amazing passage. And what we're going to, the question I'm going to ask as we get into this passage is, how can we make sure that we're heading in the right direction as Christians? How can we make sure we're heading in the right direction as Christians? Because there's a, a phrase in here that pops up twice that, that we should be thinking about, and it's the phrase self-deception, deceiving ourselves. What this passage leaves room for is the fact that we can deceive ourselves into thinking we're doing pretty good when really we're far from God. And the image it gives is, is a tongue that's out of control, saying things um, that hurt others and, and at the same time praising God. Self-deception is seeing yourself as good even when you might be hurting others, hurting yourself, or disobeying God. And I wanted to share this. This is not a Christian article at all. It's from the BBC, which is... Uh, if, if uh, you know, they're in England, they're way over there. Um, so the, uh, this is a BBC article last year. It talked about how common this is in the business world. They said this, said, There's Elizabeth Holmes, the biotech entrepreneur, who in 2015 was declared the youngest and richest self-made female billionaire. She now faces 20 years in prison for fraud. Then there's Anna Sorokin, a.k.a. Anna Delvey, who pretended to be a German heiress and subsequently fleeced New York's high society of hundreds of thousands of dollars. And then Shaman, I don't know this name, Shaman Hayut, the so-called Tinder swindler. I don't know that story, don't want to know. Um, what marks all of these people is not just the lies they told others, but the lies they must have told themselves. They each believed their actions were somehow justifiable and against all odds believed that they would never be found out. 
Time and again, they personally seemed to deny reality and dragged others into their scams. So self-deception is not just a, a Christian idea. It's, a, it's an idea that uh, exists, that everybody does. We all kind of lie to ourselves, and, and James gets at this. And if there's anybody in the room who's committed fraud and is sitting on billions of dollars, I just want to say before you go to jail, I've got a building project I want to talk to you about. <laughs> But no, we can, we, can easily, uh, we can easily justify our actions. Here are people in, in the height of power and, and money and influence um, telling themselves what they're doing is okay. What they're doing is justifiable. And we probably on a smaller scale justify our actions. Whether that comes to drinking too much, spending too much, laziness, or our anger, we all have reasons in our head why it's okay. And we also have great reasons for why we're doing fine, and we don't really need any accountability, any help, any direction. Some of this might be shaped, you know, somebody said we live in the most therapeutic society of all time, that we're more aware of the hurt in our lives, the trauma in our lives, than maybe any other generation. And of course, I'm not saying that our trauma doesn't exist. It does. It, there's a lot of pain, a lot of wounds. But there's a tendency today to live in those things. And um, more and more, the Bible, what the Bible challenges us to do is to take a harder look at ourselves, to take a hard look in the mirror, to take a hard look at our choices and say, am I living within the will of God? Because what I want to say this morning is God is a comforter, and his word does comfort us, and the Holy Spirit comforts us. But when we read this word, we don't just read it for comfort. We also go to God's word for correction. God is a comforter, but God is also a corrector. And when we, we come face to face, face with his word, we will find, no matter who we are, inconsistencies between the way we're living and the way God wants us to live. No matter who we are. God heals our wounds, and God reveals our sin. He does both. So God is a comforter, but he's also a corrector. And if you're living in a way that's inconsistent with his way, he will call you to a posture of surrender, handing those things over so that, that you, can, you can feel crushed by the weight of God, but so that you can be, feel free. Feel free from those things and live as a child of God. So let me ask you, church, are you looking to God's word for comfort, correction, or both? Comfort, correction, or both. I love the Bible. And I love, I, I'm trying to place more and more of my life under the authority of this book. I value the words in, in these pages more than any other words. These are the ones that stick with you. Ten, that's why we teach mostly books of the Bible here. Because I know 10 years from now, what I'm saying right now won't really matter. It won't really stick with you, but if you own a little piece of God's word, that is what will stick with you. That is what will change you. It's, it's God's word. Because within scripture lies the truth about God, the world, and us. My hope is not just that you, you, uh, you are encouraged today, but that you actually fall more and more in love with, with God's word. That you see yourself more clearly through what God is trying to say. So, 
here James challenges us not just to look to the Bible for comfort, but look at it to correct the way that we live. He says, don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's, it's pretty simple, right? I could probably close the book on this sermon right now. Like, all right, just do what it says, guys. I mean, it should be that simple. But I've, I've still got 20 minutes to kill, so we're just going to, you know, keep rolling. But when we listen to the word for, for comfort only, that's when we, we put ourselves in this dangerous place of, of, of deceiving ourselves. Like, oh, I feel good. You know, I heard a great sermon today. I, I listened to a great podcast today. And, 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 but if we don't let that sink into our hearts and change us, we're, we're missing what God wants for us. I remember when I was a college student, I went to this big, big worship gathering, 40,000 college students in Texas, some amazing speakers, like John Piper, some amazing worship leaders, Chris Tomlin, and I mean, he's like the new, what, he's like, he's like uh, the, the, the biggest songwriter in the last 20 years for the church, David Crowder, all these guys, Louis Giglio, and it was great teaching. I remember some of the teaching, like I remember taking a lot of notes and just really thinking about things for a while, and I remember there was one gal who was with us who, like after we were, we spent three days in this really powerful event, and I mean, it was just like, you know, when you're worshiping with like 15,000 other people, it's pretty cool, right? It's a little, little taste of heaven. But I remember this one gal was with us. She, she made a comment that I was like, huh. She said, well, well, that was great. You know, got my Jesus fix. I was just thinking about that for a minute. It's like, okay, okay, just time out for a minute. When we encounter God, he doesn't just want to comfort us, but he wants to change us right? He wants to change us. Um, we shouldn't treat the word, we shouldn't treat God like comfort food. Do you guys have comfort food, like your comfort food? Like if you're feeling down, do you know your go-to? Mine's red curry. I love red curry. Um, like chata Thai here, I'll call him up, you know. Um, I love, love red curry. Uh, everybody's entitled to their own comfort food, right? But that's not really the relationship God wants us to have with his, his, his word. Um, or, now, it's comforting, right? But it's, it goes beyond comforting to nourishment, right? If we just ate junk food all the time, we, we wouldn't be healthy. But if, if we receive the, 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 uh, the comfort and the correction, that's healthy in our, in our spiritual lives. So it's not just about chasing a feeling. It's also allowing God's word to speak right to where we're at. James says this, Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. So that's sort of like the, the Jesus fix mentality. I'll just go to the word and I'll get my fix and I'll, I'll move on. I'll, I'll get a little comfort and I'll, I'll move on. But James is saying God's word is like a mirror. It's like a mirror that you hold up and you get to see yourself rightly. Sometimes when we look in the mirror, often, we don't like what we see, right? Is, am I the only one with this experience? Right, it's like, oh man, I've been working really hard and uh, just not losing the weight like I thought I would. Um, but God's intention is when you look at his word that you'd see yourself more, more and more correctly more and more the way he sees you, that you'd see yourself rightly. Because God not only wants to show you who he is, he wants to show you who you are in light of who he is. And this isn't to condemn you, it's just to say, hey, here's reality. 
I'm God. I define what reality is. Here it is. It's one little bit at a time. The great news is, is I'm not teaching you the whole Bible today. Right? We don't, uh, we don't, we're not going to go through the whole Bible right now. Praise God. God allows us to get a little piece at a time. A little word at a time. Because you know what? We're not capable of getting the whole thing. And he knows that. We're human. We're frail. We can't absorb all of God's truth at once. And uh, in his grace, he allows us to become more and more like Christ as we dive in bit by bit. And this is a process called sanctification. This is a process called sanctification. We are believed when we, when we say we believe in Jesus, when we believe in our heart, believe in our mind that Jesus is Lord and that Christ raised him from the dead. We're saved, but then we enter into a process called sanctification where we are becoming more and more like Jesus. And that's why James says, through the word, you're saved. You're saved every day. Every day you're saved from going down the path that the world wants you to go on. You're saved every day by the word of God. And God won't be done with you to your dying day. You're going to need the Bible to your dying day. Sometimes God uses people to help in this process. I love what it says in Galatians 6.1. He says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person, get this word, gently. Everybody catch gently? Restore that person gently. But watch yourselves, or you may also be tempted. I had a mentor one time tell me, hey, if, if you're going to address someone's sin, this deep part of their life, you should do it in person and with tears. If, you're, if you really want to address what's going on in someone's life, do it gently. Do it as a brother or sister. And then Paul also gives this warning, but don't put yourself in harm's way. Don't be tempted by the same things. And I want to say this about this image of God's word as a mirror. God's word is a mirror. It's not a hammer. I love that. If God's word was a hammer, we'd be destroyed. But God's word is a mirror. It just shows us reality. It just shows us who we are in light of who God says we are. And it, it gives, and it reveals who we are so that we can respond. If I look at myself in the mirror and I see something that looks cancerous, I will act. <laughs> That's what God wants to do with this word. He just wants to show us reality, not to, not to beat us into submission, but to reveal us who we are so that we can respond. We're also not supposed to use God's word like a hammer, right? We're not supposed to beat other people with it. But we can introduce truth. We can talk about scripture so that, that our, people in our lives might know who God is, what his heart is for us, and what he wants for our lives. Mirrors, all they do is they show us reality, undeniably, right? Unless you go to a fun house, and then I don't, you know, it doesn't really show you reality. <laughs> Anyways, um, James continues. He says this, But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have heard but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. So here's the key. This isn't just about reading the word. This is about how you read the Bible. He says, look, in, look intently. This whole sermon series is about living intentionally. And, and here James uses the words, look intently, intently. Um, I have ADD. I struggle with that. 
you know, looking intently at something. I'm easily distracted. But in order to do what God wants us to do, we need to look intently at his word. And the, the question, or the, the word intently begs the question, how are we reading God's word? And I think there's two ways we can do it. We can skim it, or we can soak in it. We can skim it. Sometimes, when I'm trying to read, like, the Bible in a year and stuff, I do some skimming, right? Like, that's a lot of content. But, but God talks a lot about soaking in his word, meditating, just sitting with things that he wants to teach you. I'm, I'm not going to be able to absorb six chapters a day, but God might have a piece of it for me. This is what I want you to focus on. This is the piece that is, is speaking to me right now. Soaking means slowing down in, in examining God's word carefully, not powering through it, but really allowing it to marinate in our lives. Because God cares. What God cares about is not how much ground we can cover in the Bible when we read it, but are we allowing it to change us? Are we being absorbed by it, changed by it? Are we owning it? In Psalm 119, David talks about his relationship with God's word, and he says this, Oh, how I love your law. I meditate, it, I meditate on it all day long. Your commands are always with me and make me wiser than my enemies. This is not a duty. This is a love relationship with God's word. God, I want to be changed. God, I want what you have to offer. God, I want to hear from you. I'd rather be formed by your word more than I'm formed by what I'm hearing on the radio or TV or the internet. God, I want to be formed by you. He says, I meditate on it all day long. All day long. Getting to a point where we think about God's word as we're going about our day, as we're at work. I'm guessing you don't have six hours a day to read your Bible. Just, th just throwing it out there. But what if we got into the habit of owning something that we read and just meditating on it and talking to God about it throughout our day, even when we're at work or at home with kids? David thinks about what God's word says all day. Here's another kind of crazy idea I've, I've heard some people do to soak in God's word. Uh, what if we memorized it? Oof, right? Does that bring back like hard Sunday school memories? <laughs> like, oh my gosh, don't ask me to do that. But if we take time to memorize God's word, I'm being serious here actually, like if we take time to memorize God's, God's word, we actually own that. We carry that with us. You know, there are places in the world that don't really have access to, to Scripture, and what they do is they memorize parts of God's Word. And that way they, they own it. They can carry it around. Nobody can take it away from them. Nobody can snatch God's Word around. And, and so I haven't done a ton of this, but 12 years ago I memorized 50 verses in the book of Romans, just sort of like the gospel thread in the book of Romans. And I got to tell you, that was really helpful. It was like, man, I, it kind of helps ground you in like, here. well, here's, here's the gospel. I can, I can share it a little more. And I'm rusty, so don't ask me to do it today, okay? But maybe it'd be helpful. Maybe, maybe we do that. Maybe we have a card where we, you know, challenge you. Hey, let's memorize these verses in James so that you own it, so that you live in it. Now, I do think that if, if we're going to live in God's word, it does require that we come to it without distraction. And I think that's the hardest part, is just eliminating the distractions, eliminating the noise, finding that time during the day where we can just sit and, and receive from God. 
And I always want to come to God's word with prayer. Like, God, what do you have for me today? Because this is not just a dry book. It's like God wants to speak to us. So we come to it with our hands open. We ask, God, what do you, what do you have today? What do you want me to hear today? Because he wants to speak to us. He wants to speak to us. He loves us. He didn't give this book to us so that we become Christian robots. He gave it to us so we could know who he is and who we are, and that our lives could be transformed. And sometimes it's not when we, we get nervous about the Bible because we think it's all about what we shouldn't do and things we, we shouldn't do, but the Bible talks a lot about the things we should do. Like, are we loving our neighbors? I said that's the second greatest commandment. Like, if, uh, if, if we as a church went around and quizzed your neighbors, like, hey, how's, um, how are the Thompsons loving you, you know? I'm not going to do that, by the way. And please don't do that with my neighbors, okay? <laughs> uh, but there's a lot that's like, okay, no, it's, it's not just about what I can't do. God's calling me to something bigger. Like, the way I interact in the world, the way I love and treat others. He wants to form us not in the negative, in the positive. So, God, Jesus came he called, to call us to a deeper work. To really hard things, like loving your enemies. Who says that? Praying for those who persecute you. That is a challenge. But God gives us stuff to do. And in fact, James spells it out. He says, it, true religion is caring for orphans and widows. Caring for people in crisis. That's what I want you to do. I want you to be available to those who are having a hard time. And I'm thankful that there are people in that church, in our church, that have responded and are like, yes, that's what I want to do. There are people here that, that love people through really hard times. And I love that. So, God prepares us at a heart level through his word. Day by day, we become more like Jesus, a little bit at a time. He doesn't slam the whole book on our heads. He gives us a little bit at a time. And then there's this other part of the passage that I skipped that a lot of us know. Uh, the quick to listen part. How many have heard that before? Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Yeah. Um, it is like if, if uh, Jesus had, if, if the church, early church had bumper stickers, that would be one of them, right? Like quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. And I, I think it's interesting that James talks about this hearing and doing thing in in respect to what we say, in respect to the, the word, in respect to who we are. You need to know that the church at this time, the problem was not their level of passion. They were really passionate. They were really like sharing their faith. They were doing all these amazing things. And James is sort of like the father of the church. He's like, okay, you guys are doing great, but let's slow down. This is what I want you to focus on. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. And this is really important because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. We can't accomplish the will of God through rage, right? Anybody, has anybody seen the movie Inside Out here? You know, that, like where the emotions have emotions, that movie? Um, yeah, there's, I, I found it interesting that in that movie, um, the dad in that, in that movie, he, the anger was at the, the controls. 
I think that speaks to something for guys. Like, I'm not an angry person, but there's always a little bit brimming under the surface, right? That you never know when it could just pop out. And, uh, and God's really, you know, God works, works in, in amazing ways. But, you know, even if we don't consider ourselves angry person, we can still be, that anger can be right there under the surface. And, and still, even though I don't consider myself an angry person, sometimes I get indignant. I want justice, mainly for me, sometimes for others, but mainly for me, right? Like, I want, I want justice, and I, I want things to change now. But that's not what, what James is saying. He says the anger of man does not produce what God wants in the world. Jesus came about it a whole different way. And I was thinking about why James would say this to this church. You know, why start here? Why start with uh, quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry? Like, this is a framework. He wants the church to treat the world this way, and I think it's because God really, really cares about how the church treats other people. I was thinking about this. Imagine you have this amazing product that can make sushi in like five minutes. It slices, it dices, and it even rices, okay, in five five minutes. Thanks for laughing. Um, you know, that would be pretty amazing. I like sushi. I don't know if you do. I like sushi. So you have an amazing product, but you have a salesman who's just kind of a jerk, and if people disagree with them, he gets really angry, tells them why they're wrong all the time. Like, are you going to sell a lot of units? Probably not. In Scripture, God says that we as Christians, we're God's ambassadors, ambassadors for Christ. To be a Christian is to be a little Christ. That's what it means. Another Scripture says that we are the aroma of Christ to a dying world. Like We're supposed to be like Christ. And so I think it makes sense that James starts here with kindness. Just be kind. Start operating in kindness. Start listening to people. Whoa, before you correct, slow down. Like... Like, slow down, be quick to listen, slow to speak, make your words count, right? Make your words count, and don't get angry. So I think, I think that's why James starts there. Be kind, be like Christ in this way to the world. Listening, choosing your words carefully, taking that anger to God, and not broadcasting that to others. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Our anger can't push God's agenda forward. I was thinking about this, and even, even Jesus, when he was in the garden and he was being betrayed and he was going to go to the cross, Peter was angry when he got arrested. In fact, there's this passage where Peter, when he's being arrested, he takes a sword and he cuts off the ear of a guard. And we're really thankful that Peter makes a lousy soldier, because I'm pretty sure he was going for the head, you know? And he hits the ear. Peter was trying to be like Steven Seagal, you know? Just go for the, go for the head. <laughs> uh, so what did Jesus say to this zealous, angry disciple? This is what he said. Jesus answered, no more of this. And he touched the man's ear, and he healed him. Even though these people were going to take Jesus to the cross... He still heals this man. He says, no, no anger, no violence. I'm not going to conquer through force. I'm going to conquer through surrendering my life. And he calls his followers to take up their cross, not to take up their swords, to take up their cross and follow him.
And so he might be saying today, if you're trying to push things forward, uh, he might be saying no more of this. Like, take up your cross, follow me, love like me, listen and love. Be an, be an ambassador. May people see Jesus in you, right? And the way that I respond. So my final point as we, as we close, as we come to a place of communion today is this. We will grow when we allow God's word to comfort, correct, and consume us. That's, that's really the heart. It's not that just we would, we would be comforted by his word. We would be corrected by his word, but we'd actually be consumed. We'd be caught up in what God wants to teach us. You know, if you have a hobby and you just, like, get absorbed in it, you know, whatever that hobby might be, like model trains, I don't know, whatever that hobby is, you just know everything about it. May God give us that kind of zeal for his word and knowing who he is, that we would just want more and more and more of it, and that we would want to, uh, we would experience the fruit of having a heart that's changed in, in love, um, in, in God's love. And, you know, we know we're consumed by God's word when we think about it in, our, in, in those off moments of the day, when we come back to what we read at lunch, maybe, when we have our Bible open on the dinner table, when we talk to our kids about it, you know, when, when it just starts pouring into every part of life, we'll know that we're being consumed by God's word. Because God has something to speak to us every day, and because he wants us to look more and more like Jesus. Let's, uh, let's pray this morning. God, thank you for the gift of your word. Thank you for the opportunity to become more and more like Christ, to be shaped more into your image. God, you didn't leave us in the dark. God, you spoke words uh, for all of us, for, for everyone uh, who is on the earth today. You spoke words of truth, words that have passed the test of time, words that continue to speak to us thousands of years after they were written. Lord, continue to speak, continue to move. Help us to be more like you, God, in Jesus' name.